in a world of stereotypes, being called a geek comes with a certain image. There is still that ingrained thing within me that is a little bit embarrassed about it. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream, and behind every geek is a real story. My dad was the one who got me into Star Wars and things. Join me, your super dummy Paul, as I continue my learning experience and talk to the real people. I'm a secondary school teacher, so I teach 11 to 16 year olds in English. Hear their stories exclusively on fantastic universes. It's one of them like, you've ever gonna grow up? And I'm like, no, why should I? I, I like my life, I, I enjoy what I do, this is my hobby. Available on all your favorite podcast catchers. Tony, coming at you solo, coming at you live. So here's the thing. I found this comic. It was o- it's only about four years old. I had never, ever, ever heard of it. I stumbled across it on a Humble Bundle. I'm team Humble Bundle. If you don't do Humble Bundles, why? Why wouldn't you do a Humble Bundle? They're awesome. Comics in Motion is, of course, a Humble Partner, and there'll be links in the show notes to that. So if you want to get amazing comics for next to nothing... Digitally, you should be, and all kinds of good shit in there. There's other books, history books, codes, coding books, gaming manuals, Humble. It's what's happening if you're not getting in on the Humble action. What's up? Why wouldn't you be? Click on the link, Humble. So, anyway, this book came out from Image. It's called Plastic, and the cover of the collected edition is spectacular. Um, it, it It is a sex doll's mouth uh, with blood coming out of it. Uh, that kind of tells you everything you need to know. This is a five-issue limited-run series. Um, could be crime, could be horror, totally batshit banana crazies. It's written by Doug Wagner, illustrated by Daniel Hillard, um, colored by Laura Martin, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Uh, what, he's a great letterer, too, and um, he has a lot to do in this book. There's a lot going on. There's... Um, and, you know, I, we've said this all the time on here, that uh, a good letterer stays out of his or her own way and really makes the book better. And Ed Dukeshire is one of the best of the best. So Laura Martin's colors are amazing, and Daniel Hilliard's art is on point, which we'll get to all that. But before we get to the technical stuff, let's talk about the writing and the story itself. So the story is called Plastic, and it's about this guy called Edwin Stroffgruppen. It's Stoffgruppen. Stroffgruppen? Stoffgruppen. I don't know, because I don't know. He's fictional. Anyway, he is a retired serial killer who is trying to just retire in happiness with the love of his life, Virginia, who just so happens to be a sex doll. And that's, the, that's his life, right? They met online, is what he tells everybody. And so um, Virginia gets kidnapped and uh, so that these, like, mobster, shady assholes 
will get Edwin to come out of retirement to do something, you know, for them. That's what they're doing. So they're like, you know, it's typical. This is this is the motivation for the hero in everything. It's it's a fridging moment. Um, you know, whether you kidnap the woman or you kill the woman or you put the woman in peril, and it's always like damsel in distress gets the best out of the guy, and he'll come out of retirement and he'll do anything. And of course, he doesn't love anything. He's a serial killer. I mean, that's what he is. Um, and he's he is unwell, but he loves Virginia, and so the thought that Virginia could be taken from him is enough motivation. So these idiot um, people think, well. Of course, this is spoiler-free every time I do a hidden gem, so I don't want to get too deep into the weeds of what exactly happens, but Edwin does not play ball, let's just say, and he goes on this crazy, murderous rampage, wiping out anybody who has even touched Virginia, and there's people who, like, of course, they see Virginia as just a sex doll. He sees Virginia, Virginia talks to him, he hears Virginia's voice, and... Um, so anytime he sees anybody poke her or make a joke about her, he cracks a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And ultimately, it's a bloodbath. And he saves this young girl who was a hitchhiker who you know got picked up by the wrong guy who also got roped into this. Parts of this book, he drives around with a dead body in the car. And he talks to the dead body. He also talks to the ghost of his mother. He's got some issues. There's Will Norman Bates there, right, with the mother thing. He is... He is not well, and, and I'm not a big fan, I'm just going to be honest, of saying all killers are, like, the, the reason somebody killed somebody is because he or her is mentally I am not a huge fan of the trope that all mentally unwell people are serial killers. And see, that you run the risk of what, you, what you're saying is, yes, to be a serial killer, to be a killer, to be a hit person, to do whatever, there's something wrong with you. That's fine. I understand that. There's, that's reasonable to think and that's reasonable to say. However, the problem is, is, is what comic books and movies and all kinds of things brush right up against is if you are unwell, you are a killer as opposed to you are a killer due to being unwell. And this book actually straddles that line really well. I think it's, it's tough. It's a tough thing to do because it's funny. I know I've used the word crazy several times. I'll say it again as this review goes on, as the show continues. But I do want to just take a pause and, and talk about the idea of mental illness in characters, in comic books. I think plastic is a commentary on that. Scott Weatherly, the, the, the 20th century geek himself, often says, you know, Batman is just a rich guy who puts on a suit and beats up poor people. Well, that is true. And obviously, Batman has a mental illness in order to do that every night. There's nothing, it's no one in his or her right mind says, I'm going to dress up like a rodent and go beat people up. That's not what a sane person does, right? Superman is of his right mind. Wonder Woman is of her right mind. Batman is not of his right mind. But because he's a hero, we don't comment on his mental illness, but, we, but everybody else, all of the Batman villains, where do they go? They go to Arkham Asylum for the, for the criminally insane. And so, really? Is that because that, only... I mean, I, I would argue that uh, the Kingpin, Fisk, is not unwell at all. He's like the most stable character in all of comicdom. But he's obviously a serial killer, but he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what his motivation is. He knows what it's about. And he does it with like a cold, calculated brilliance almost. And I'm not team kingpin, of course. He's a monster. But 
what I'm saying is, is I wouldn't argue you wouldn't he would pass any test he would he would get by no one would say oh the kingpin is mentally unwell and needs to be locked away I mean for his criminal acts they lock him away but not for his the way that he is and why because he's a rich white guy okay so there's something about that too but there's also just this idea of of the way that mental illness is portrayed in comic books and I think plastic is, is poking at that a little bit. Sure, yes, this is a man who talks to a sex doll and talks to a dead body and talks to his dead mother. Obviously, you know, again, the play on Psycho, Psycho, just the title in and of itself. So I get it, I understand. But I do think it's, it's worth just taking a pause and let's think about the words that we use and the way that we attribute mental illness and violence. Some people can be violent, in a quick moment, uh, they can be pushed to the edge. They could be violent defending their significant other or their children. You wouldn't say, oh, that guy's crazy because that guy was going to, you know, punch his daughter and he stepped in and knocked him on his ass and, you know, kicked him a little bit while he was down. No one would say that person was, that was a crazy act to do. It's what you do. And the reason I bring that up is because that's the plot here, right, is, is Edwin's Love of his life is taken from him. We don't see him. Edwin the serial killer has already happened. That's over. We see him do some bad shit in this, for sure. But his life as a serial killer is gone. We actually see him save people in this. We see him have a good heart. We see him do things for love. And so maybe the comment about mental illness that comic books are missing, and the reason we don't look at Bruce Wayne as mentally ill is because he's doing it for revenge. He's doing it for the, you know, to honor his parents. He's doing it because he witnessed something horrible, and so it's a PTSD situation, and we don't look at PTSD the same way as we look at other forms of mental illness, right? PTSD, we understand that's something that happened to you, and so the emotional and mental strife that you're going through is not your fault. But here's the thing. Mental illness isn't your fault. It's no one's fault. You're born with one. There's a chemical reaction. It's PTSD. It's it's people who have DID. I'm neck deep in DID stuff as I'm working on this Moon Knight essay and just thinking about it and I'm going to do, Paul and I are going to do Cowboy Ninja Viking soon. So I've got DID on the brain. However, that's also not something that, that people choose to do. And I think, I think plastic for all of the fun things that it is, and I know, it's, you know there's a lot of blood and violence, and obviously if that's not your thing, 100%, don't read this. But it is a lot of fun, and it is shades of red. It's shades of John Wick. It's shades of nobody. It's that same idea. One man, one person killing machine who's on a revenge path. Just, I'm going to fuck shit up because I can, because you pissed me off, because you killed my dog, or you took my daughter's unicorn watch, or, you know, you threatened the love of my life as it was in red. Whatever it is, you know, you're going to go out. And, and that's what this is. I mean, this is, a, this is a nod to red, too, obviously, which came before this. Um, you know, retired, extremely dangerous. This is, Edwin is retired and extremely fucking <laughs> dangerous. Don't fuck around. He will fuck your shit up. But it, it makes us think about that. It makes us think about all those things. We like nobody. We like John Wick. We like red. Because there's motivation, because it's like, oh, well, you're doing these horrific things because of, well, in Nobody, he goes on a killing rampage because they took his daughter's unicorn bracelet. I mean, is that, a, I mean, the body count on that is high. And sure, the people he kills are bad guys. 
And in John Wick's world, he's killing other killers. But forget, you forget, before that, just like in plastic, off screen, off page, that guy was a killer. And nobody, Bob Odenkirk's character, is a serial killer. Just he does it for the government, so that makes it okay. John Wick is an assassin, but because you touched his dog, he's the hero. But he's not a hero. The body count, think of all the lives that he's ruined before you meet him. And somehow, you know, he's Baba Yaga, he's the boogeyman, he's he's not a hero, he's a villain. Nobody, Bob Odenkirk is the villain. And in Red, Bruce Willis and his band of malcontents, they were all killers, right? And in the comic and in the movie, they're awful, monstrous killer people. Just because you do it for the government, it doesn't make it okay. But, but again, that comment is here in plastic. Is when is it okay to go on a murderous rampage and when is it not okay to go on a murderous rampage? And when is it okay? Is it okay for Bruce Wayne to be Bruce Wayne, but it's not okay for the Joker to be the Joker? Well, why? Why is that? What's the difference between them? Why is one's mental illness heroic and another's mental illness Villainous. Yes, of course. Joker's a killer and he harms people and he, and he does those things. I get it. I understand. But the Riddler doesn't kill anybody. The Penguin is just a criminal mastermind who just is greedy. They're in Arkham Asylum for, for the mentally, criminally insane. But why? I mean, is the Riddler really criminally insane? Is, I mean, I, I, as far as I can tell, I've never really seen the Riddler kill anybody. But he's criminally insane just because he's a criminal. It doesn't mean being a criminal is equal to being insane. That's like saying, well, I sped. Yesterday, I was in the car for two hours driving from an airport to a hotel, and I went 85 and a 65 for a while. I am criminally insane. You should lock me up. I'm insane because I'm breaking the law, breaking the law. No, I'm not going to. We all decide what laws are okay to break, and we all decide when it's okay. And so this book just really makes us spend that time with it. I really enjoyed reading it. It is fun for the people who like that ultraviolet stuff. I do. Give me a trash. Give me trash. I, have, I love a good, thoughtful, plotting British novel about a comedy of manners or about, you know, corrupt politicians. I, I'm in. Give me a deep literature. Give me, I mean, my favorite book, you know, is Don Quixote and the book thief I love. Deep, thoughtful books. But I want some trash. I want some trash. I actually think there's a lot to be said in trash. I think if, if in the right hands, tra- accidentally, trash can have a more of a commentary on the world than it doesn't. And I think this book is thoughtful. This book knew what it was. So it's, it's, it's trash adjacent. It's comment on those trashy things. So I just think it's, it's, it's great. It's a quick read, seriously. And, I, and of course, you know me, I'm always doing a deep dive. This is a deep dive show. So I'm spending time on this, probably giving more to it than most people would want to see. Most people are like, fucking serial killer who goes on a killing rampage because of a sex doll. Sold. Done. I mean, to be fair, I just bought it accidentally because it was in my humble bundle. And then once I saw that cover, I was like, what is that? And then I read it and I was like, holy shit. I've never heard of this before. Hence, Hidden Gem. I asked around. I didn't know anybody who'd heard of this. So I knew it was a miniseries. It was intentionally short. So it's not necessarily something that was canceled or anything. It's not a hidden gem like that where um, nobody cared. It did fine when it came out, but it was, it was just, it, because miniseries, that's what happens. If you're going to make a five-part miniseries, it's going to come, it's going to go. If it's not constantly in everybody's uh, frame, they're not going to know about it. I didn't, surely didn't. And I was reading comics pretty regularly in 2017, but it just went right past me. So 
I just wanted to, to raise awareness of this very clever book. And it does appeal to lots of different people, but it's worth mentioning the tropes that it's playing with. And I like something that plays with the tropes, lives in the tropes while commenting on the tropes. And I think good writing can do that. And I think Wagner has written kind of a little uh, social commentary masterpiece here set in the swamps of Louisiana with talking dead people. Yep, that's what happens. It's, it's fucking amazing. There's a couple of really uncomfortable scenes uh, when he saves the, the girl. I was a little worried. I kept going, oof, this is going to go a little too far. But it was not with him, not with Edwin, but with the person with whom he was saving her. Uh, but again, that was also intentional, I think. That was like, here's the trash. Here's that, that scene in, in Death Wish 2 or Death Wish 3. All the death wishes are pretty awful, really, when you think about it. But there's a few of those extended, disgusting assault scenes in the Death Wish movies. You're like, okay, cut, fade out. You don't, what, oh, no, we're going to keep, oh. And that happens in here where it does cut just the last minute because Edwin shows up. But there's moments of just, it's making me uncomfortable. It's pushing me to the edge of my comfortability. And it's freaking me out a little. So I think that's really smart. I think it's really well done. And, and I really... I just really liked it very much. So, um, uh, I, I, I don't want, again, spoiler free, so I don't want to go too, too far down a rabbit hole than I've already gone, other than to say this is 100% worth everybody's while to go get. So, let's talk about the technical stuff for a second. So, um, as I mentioned off the top, it was uh, drawn by um, Daniel Hillard and colored by Laura Martin. And this is bloody. So, let's talk about Laura Martin for a second and the work she has to do. Look, color artists are the they do the canvas. I you know I always say they're like right they're like score like John Williams is the color artist of Star Wars right and Superman and you know and Danny Elfman is the color artist for all the Tim Burton films. The Tim Burton films without Danny Elfman, I don't I I don't know how much of Danny Elfman's work has made Tim Burton's career. I mean Tim Burton has made some excellent movies. Let's not I mean Batman eighty nine is a fucking masterpiece and I love. John, uh, Johnny Depp and Edward Scissorhands. I love that. That's probably his finest performance. However, how much of it is Danny Elfman? I mean, that guy, you know, not only was he in Oingo Boingo, but the shit that he does. So Laura Martin is that. She is the Danny Elfman. She is the John Williams of this book. It's it, Hilliard's art style. It's, it's not, again, photorealistic, but it's very realistic because it's, it's set in the real world. It's set in the world where superheroes don't exist and it's commenting on, you know, comic book superhero stuff like I've already talked about. So set in this world is set in a real world. So it's in a swamp. It looks hot. It's, it feels gross. You can, you can tell everything's run down. He's really made it very realistic. It feels like a lived-in, dirty, filthy, nasty place to be. Nobody, don't find yourself here is what I'm saying. You don't want to hang out with these people. And Hilliard does a great job making you feel super-duper uncomfortable. It is really gross there. Um, but what Laura Martin does as the, as the uh, musician here, she f- makes us feel it. She makes us feel the ooze that Hilliard has created because she's got to color it. She has to shade it just right. It's a dark book about dark subject matter when most of it takes place in the dark. And so she, she shades it just right. And again, it's really bloody. And I think a color artist, a crime book or a horror book really does the, 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 yes, the story matters, and of course the art matters. But if you don't have a good color artist, a crime book or a horror book is going to fall apart. It just is. 
you couldn't, in the wrong hands, this book falls apart. But Laura Martin's, the right hands, you know, you know, Doug and Daniel knew who to get. And she is so good. I, I feel, I don't, I don't think she won an award for this, but boy, she should have. Um, I, I just, I love it. I love to feel that moment. She really, she really gets me, gets me in there and gets me uh, submerged almost. Like I just feel the ooze on my toes as I'm reading it. It's just amazing. Uh, it's, I, I cannot praise Laura Martin enough. And of course, Hilliard is the one who's doing all the drawing, so he obviously deserves a lot of the credit. But I just think uh, this is one of those books, um, when, when uh, Matt and I talked about The Evil Dead and how we appreciated that it was in black and white because it's so bloody and you don't want to see that. This is the book that kind of exemplifies that. You're like, oof, I'm glad, you know. But I think because it's only five issues, it's not hundreds of issues like The, like the Walking Dead, so I think because it's only five issues... We need that. We need the color to be there. We need it to come off the page at us. We need to feel uncomfortable, like this dark, uncomfortable story. They're asking us to, to think about uncomfortable issues. They're asking us to think about mental illness. They're asking us to think about comic book characters. They're asking us to think about love and what love does to us. Um, and, you know, can we find happiness? And, and is Edwin crazy for loving a sex doll? I mean, I, people love things. People love what they love, and love is unpredictable, and you can't tell people not to, right? You can't say, no, you can't love a sex doll. I mean, maybe you shouldn't, um, but who's, he's not harming anybody, right? It makes him happy. There was that Ryan Gosling movie, Lars and the Real Girl, which is about this too. Um, that was actually brilliant, the way that the whole time, if you've never seen that, I mean, it's to- a different tone uh, for sure, but worth seeing. I would go, if you, haven't, if you like this, you should go check that out because it's this interesting commentary on like loving inanimate objects. We all love things. We all love things, right? People who collect comics love their comics. People who have their, like people will reach into a wood chipper to save their phone because their brain can't, oh my God, my phone. You know, I leave my phone behind all the time. I don't know where it is most of the time. It's old and crappy and small and I don't care. But other people love their phones. Other people love their cars or they love their things. And so we don't think that's weird, but because he's in love with the sex doll and he talks to it. And, and so it's like, again, a comment on that. But so all of that to say, you know, you need the, the ambiance that you need to create is where Hilliard and Martin just come through because, because Wagner's giving us this, this bizarre world uh, when he's asking us to think about big things. And in the wrong hands, this doesn't work. You don't want a cartoony style. You don't want the colors to be, you know, vibrant. You don't want them to feel like I'm watching Saturday morning cartoons. You don't want this. To, you don't want to open the pages and be like, oh, is this a pinky in the brain? No, you don't want that. You need it to be filthy and trashy. And, uh, but trash at its highest, trash as art and camp, not trash as just trash. Um, it's, I know, sleaze, I guess, is the, is the difference there. This is not sleazy. This is trashy, intentionally. And just plastic, everybody. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go buy it. You're going to go to Hoopla Digital and get it. It's on there. You're going to go to your local library, or you could just go to your comic book shop and get it. It's only five issues. You could probably get it on Comixology for not much. You know, just more than a song, but not too much. And it, it's one of those books that deserves... It's time. You should, you should obviously read it. I read it several times uh, before I recorded this because I kept wanting to come back to it. I kept thinking, ooh, what, what's the thing? What else do I need? What else is there? 
Um, and I just, it's just great. I just can't express to you enough how very, very good this is. And so um, get out there. 2017's plastic. The collected edition is easy to come by. It's not out of print. And you'll be, you'll be pleased. If, it, again, if you're squeamish, don't read this. But I think, um, I think it's worth it. So, uh, and then you know, hit me up at Tricycle Boombox or send me a message on my website, AR Farina, and say, hey, man, this is what I think of plastic. Or, whoa, whoa, you were going a little further than you want to. I hear that sometimes where it's like I go on my rants and people are like, I didn't see that at all. And you know, that's the nice thing about having someone with me. They're like, nah, you're, you're stretching. Uh, and I know that sometimes I do. I don't think I am here, though. I really don't think I am. I think this book is really great. And this is for um, people who like trash, people who like the cannon, all the cannon heads out there, the people who like, you know, trashy action movies. People, if you loved nobody, this read this book. If you love John Wick, read this book. If you like Red, read this book. I mean, Max Byrne, you will love this book. I promise. I promise, buddy. Chris Phelps is going to love this book. It's so good, and you don't. And again, all that stuff that I said for the last twenty-five minutes—that's me, man. That's my dig. That's my take. That's the way that I roll with this. You don't have to, but I think you will. I think the people who like those trashy action movies, and I believe Max has always said, "The trashier, the better." Um, you're going to love this book, Max. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you've actually already read it. But if if you haven't, buddy, go read it. Everybody else, get out there, give it a chance, have a thought, and then hit me up to say, "Oh man, I read Plastic," and and here's what I thought, here's why I think you're wrong, or here's why I think you're right, or boy, you love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Maybe. That's also possibly true. So anyway, obviously you should be subscribed to Comics in Motion, and check me out as a pop gorilla, and I'll, we're going to have some crazy pop gorilla holiday stuff coming up, so make sure you subscribe to that. And just thanks for listening, and um, I'm going to got a couple more hidden gems coming up to get me through the holidays as I fastly approach my 100th episode, which will be Sin City. Um, and then 101 will be Kick-Ass with Dave. So I, I've got some bangers coming up. I've got some bangers coming up after this, too. I've got Tamara Drew with Rhea, and we're going to do, Jack and I are going to do Berserker. And, of course, on Thanksgiving, the week after this comes out, Max and I, Max Byrne, another book of trash. <laughs> we, we did the first 58 issues of 100 Bullets. I've held that back because it's, like, the most American book you could possibly think about like gun violence and everything. So I'm going to release it on Thanksgiving Day because that makes perfect sense. So anyway, thanks for listening to this. And we're going to go out with Postmodern ju Jukebox, my, the world's greatest cover band, Postmodern Jukebox. We're going to go out with their version of Barbie Girl. And it's great. And I love that song anyway, but uh, I probably played a little bit of it on the intro. But we're going to go out with Postmodern Jukebox version of Barbie Girl. Uh, plastic. You get it. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Creation. I'm a blonde.